amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello and welcome to Indie Incursion, an indie games podcast. Your weekly source for all the indie games news you know and want to love. Nope, that's that's love and want to know. I don't even know <laughs> what I was going to say there, to be honest. Yeah, it just kind of went off the rails there. Uh, oh. This week we're bringing you three awesome indie games news stories, but before we get to any of that, I need to introduce myself. I am one of your hosts, Von Hyde, alongside my illustrious co-host, The Big Josh Boy, and today... We actually have a guest on the podcast. We have JJ from The Coalition. You are also kind of like an independent uh, games journalist, from what I understand. Yeah, pretty much a content creator, streamer, podcaster, games journalist, you know, just overall lover of video games in general, you know, so I do a lot of a lot of different things. Yeah, it sounds like you basically do everything. (laughs) I'm I'm a little bit jealous of you. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys had a good... Yeah, yeah, he's doing a lot. You guys uh, play some awesome games today. How about let's start off with JJ. You play some awesome games this week. Any any fun indies or just games in general? A lot of people think they only get to talk about indies. So I, I play a ridiculous amount. Let me put it that way. Like just throughout my week, I play so many games. Like as far as indie games, one of the biggest ones that I've been playing that I know a lot of people have been talking about is Gato Roboto on Nintendo Switch and PC. I've been playing it on Nintendo Switch. I did a review for it for the Coalition not too long ago. I enjoyed it. I scored it around the seventies. Because, again, there's a charm to a cat controlling a mech. There's just something funny about that. And then the fact that it plays very similar to Super Metroid and it's got a little bit of Mega Man introduced into it, that's pretty cool. And, again, the game is just fun, so it's got an appeal for everybody. But besides that, I've been messing around with a couple other games here and there, especially on both my Nintendo Switch with, like, Smash Brothers and stuff. I've been playing a couple other games that are on my PlayStation 4 that I can't talk about just yet because I'm under embargo. But uh, there's there's a couple different ones that I've been enjoying that you guys will probably be hearing about very very soon what's uh what's your smash main oh man there's a couple like nobody just has one smash main there's at least like three or four at least if you've been playing for a while so for me i usually default now to fox you know, if we're just going straight up Nintendo characters. I've been playing a lot with uh, Simon Belmont because I love Castlevania. That's just, again, oh, one nice. of my favorite series. Uh, Cloud is also, and I've also been messing around with Mario. Wow. Yeah. No one that I even remotely touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Josh just plays Rob and just spams that, like shooting across the stage, or he plays Duck Hunt and just hits you with Frisbees. There yeah. you go. Wow. Frisbee them off the you stage. Do you really remember my characters, or are you just guessing, like, wildly? That's just a straight up guess. You really? Seem like one of those people. Because I do. <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> I um I'm a Rob, a uh, King K Rule, Mega Man, and Duck Hunt main. Mega Man is tough to play. He's so fun though. <laughs> Once you start getting like the hang of him, he can do a lot. But I just love Duck Hunt, especially since I play with like my buddies, and it's like usually like four or more of us. Duck Hunt is great because he's like the ultimate troll pick. Him and like. Uh, Pac-Man are pretty troll. (laughs) You just run from one side and just shoot the disc and just keep being annoying while other people are fighting. It's great. (laughs) The biggest troll pick is Kirby. It's just hands down. There's just so much. That and uh, King DDD. Yeah. 
have you guys ever heard of this? This is a legitimate strategy that Smash Bros. players use. Have you ever heard of what's called a Kirby side? Oh, is that the thing where they suck them up and try to go below the stage and then... Yeah, they yeah. jump off That's the so stage annoying. and then... Yeah, they shoot them out and then jump so that they, like, go above the stage and their foe <clears throat> falls to their death. Yep. That's an amazing strategy pro right strats. there. <laughs> yeah. Pro strats. That's a noob killer. I mean... I would say I have too much honor for that, but in reality, I'm nah, just man. not skilled enough to pull off a Kirby side. I mean, and I'm that's a pretty, a pretty. No, I, I think that's a pretty easy one. You got so many up or ups to to get you right back to the ledge. You just have to just fall down, and let them die. Dude, I play as Ike, and I just kill myself all the time. You can <laughs> constantly. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> like his up B, he throws his sword up, and you're like, "Sweet, I'm saved," and then you barely miss the stage, and he bombs down. He just murders you every time. For the record, there's just way too many Fire Emblem characters in that game. They just keep showing oh, up. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm so tired of them. And, I, like, I enjoy Fire Emblem every once in a while. I'm not, like, a big, big fan. But when it first started coming out, I didn't really know much about the series. And I was like, who are all these random humans? What are they doing up. in here? How many Fire Emblem characters do you think they'll announce during the Nintendo Direct? If there's, it's a, probably if there's like, one Fire Emblem that's character all, announced, that's I'm going to freaking flip pack a is. table at E3. Like, I'm telling you, like, <laughs> I'm just going to go up to Sakurai and be like, yo, listen, we're going to have to have a talk for a second. Let me, let me, let me take you over here to the corner. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to bore Fire Emblem characters out my game. <laughs> He's yeah. like, but we got three houses coming out soon, dude. We got to, yeah. like, pop no! these guys in Smash. No! They're going to have one character from each of the house, and then they're going to have the headmaster as the next four characters that come for Smash. I'm just saying, it's a little <laughs> ridiculous at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? What have you been playing this week, Josh? Uh, so, actually, I've been playing a little bit of the same. I did a review for Gato Roboto. It's not up yet because I'm doing a video review for it right now and trying to get everything finalized. But I gave it around the same score. I went a little bit higher, um, which by the time this comes out, it'll be okay to say. Um, but I basically gave it an 8 out of 10. I thought, for the most part, the same things. My main thing about it wasn't really that it was short. Like, I loved the amount that was there because it, it gave you that taste for, like, more. But my main thing was, like, there's nothing from it that, like, stands apart from the Metroidvania genre, like, in general. It showcases a lot of the great assets to why a Metroidvania can be so fun. But at the same time, it doesn't break the mold. It's not going to change your mind about anything. It's just a really fun and great game. So that's kind of why why I was... I'm, I'm about the same, which I think for you, Vaughn, you were a little bit higher than us. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I think I rated it the highest out of the three of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, which is generally around the area that it's getting. I think from, like, a Metacritic perspective, it's in, like, the, the high sevens, low eights or something like that. So which is I, not I think bad. it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. But, um, and then I've also started dabbling into Crossing Souls. So this is a game that came out, like, uh, a long time ago. but Two uh, years ago, I think. Yeah. But um, I recently just uh, jumped into it because I was like, oh, I have it for free because of the, the Twitch Prime deals where they give out, like, a, a couple of games every month. And I've had it just in my backlog. And I was sitting there, and I was like, well, I don't really have anything to play. I'll just jump into it and see how it is. And it's actually a lot of fun. It's, like, a very, you know, kind of 80s. It reminds me a lot of, like, the Stranger Things or, like, 80s uh, morning cartoons tune just because of the obvious uh cut scenes in it but it plays pretty interestingly i think the one main caveat that i'm having right now is like it's 
it's obviously meant to be played on a controller and my controller that hooks up to my PC is broken right now. So I'm trying to play it on the keyboard and it's like all of the keys are in just terrible placement. So it's really annoying right now to have to do some of the precision things in the game. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun and it has an interesting story of like this weird, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but some, (laughs) some evil being who is, going trying to take over the world and basically create uh kind of like a thanos like destroy all humans thing by having ghosts raise up and create this eternal one day war um and it's you as a bunch of kids who have to stop it um so it's it's very like non-realistic in that way but very 80s cartoon style of like gotta save the day it's us kids um but i I like the 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 cut scenes to it of having that cartoon-esque appeal and the gameplay is fun when it's not the uh, the annoying parts of precision for my keyboard, but that's really on me, not the game itself. So, but it's pretty good. I recommend it. Cool. Do you like those little mini games that it randomly just puts you in, like when you're running away from the cops and you have to just dodge? Th- like- yeah, those are some of my favorites. The one where really? you had to go. Yeah, are you kidding? That me? was such a pain in the ass for me. Oh no, those were easy, but they were just like they're a nice palate cleanser because it makes it just not the same like beat 'em up brawler. Like I don't as much enjoy that. I'd rather have some of like the weird puzzle angles and then thrown in every once in a while. I didn't like how like one of the bosses, cause I'm only, I'm only uh, four chapters in. So it's relatively um, early into the game, but I didn't like how one of the bosses was like a Simon says game. <laughs> I thought that was retarded, but, but like other, other than that, like it's, it's still really fun. Like, I mean, it, they're just trying to blend a bunch of different things in there that I thought worked out well. Yeah, I didn't get very far in Crossing Souls. I really liked it, and I liked the aesthetic a lot. I thought it looked really, really cool. And, of course, yeah, definitely, like, it's it's meant to look and feel exactly like 80s cartoons. It even, like, references an odd amount of 80s, like, memorabilia and stuff. It's a little yeah. weird, but... It's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I especially liked playing as the girl who has, like, the jump rope as a whip. And mm-hmm. just, like, whipping the shit out of people. <laughs> just whipping them. <laughs> yeah. Each one of the characters has their own, like, weapons. So there's, a like, the nerd boy who has, like, a gun, basically, that he crafted. The uh, main character who has a bat. Their friend who's kind of like your shieldy, like, tanky character who has, I think, the lid of a trash can. What? And um, <laughs> then there's like this girl that's kind of like a love interest in a way that, yeah, she just beats the shit out of people with, with like her whip that is a jump rope. And then they have like the little brother who anytime that you try to attack, he just picks his nose and it's this excessively long booger. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't do any damage. <laughs> he just, he'll, like, just he like, he cycles, he cycles through picking his nose, blowing a balloon and like popping it and farting. <laughs> like that's wow. his attack sequence, like sequence. That's all he does. Yeah. I think he's really good for solving some puzzles at certain points in times, especially because of, I'm not trying to, I'm not going to ruin yeah, anything yeah, because yeah. of things he can do later on. But yeah, it's a really fun game. I really enjoyed it when I played it. You're definitely further than I am, though. I didn't get that far because oh, I'm okay. bad at video games, and Josh is really good at video games. Everybody oh, who listens to this knows that by now. So. <laughs> and now no. JJ knows. He knows that Josh is MLB, dude. I know so everything. 
for me, what I've been playing this week is not very much. Yeah, you guys were definitely on track. I played some World of Warcraft. Yeah, got back wow. into super indie. Yeah. I know, right? Probably the biggest independent company there is. I mean, <laughs> it just makes sense, really. It's kind of like that independent game I played on the first episode, that Ski Rim game. I mean, Ski Rim. Yeah. Good game. It's, Good game. It's so indie and obscure. I can't believe anybody would uh, would have heard about it. How um, long? Yeah. Uh, how long have you been playing World of Warcraft? I played off and on for like four or five years. I I don't get hmm. very. I generally don't get very far because I have this obsession with creating, deleting, and creating new characters. I just mm. consistently do it. Um. Yeah. It's cool. it's kind of an issue. <laughs> <laughs> what uh? What keeps bringing you back though? Honestly, I just I'm looking for a great MMO that I can play by myself, which is really just doesn't make. Why any don't sense. you like people? I don't understand. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to play MMOs with people though? Like technically, that's whole, yeah, that's like the whole point of MMOs. No, I I like I I'm kind of weird in that way. I feel like the Sword Art Online anime rubbed off a little bit too much on me that I take pride in being a solo player, um, which is a little odd because the things i enjoy so much in mmos are actually the things you have to do with people like in world of warcraft dungeons are my favorite thing and you do them with like four other people so it's just a little weird but yeah i guess i just i don't know i don't know why i like to play by myself it's odd all right with the with the just crazy um times that i do like to play with other people and then I reach out to the big Josh boy, and he shuts me down. He just won't play video games with me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We'll play that one Kickstarter game. Eventually. I mean, there's one today, dude, that I'm feeling that we're going to have to play together. And JJ, oh, yeah. he's a cool guy. He's going to become one of my best friends. He's going to have to play with me, too. Oh, wow. It's going to be sweet. We're going to win that, by default. Serious, Tell him. Tell him. <laughs> But that is for later in the podcast. Right now, we got to get into the news. The meat and potatoes of these episodes are first. Uh, what was I going to say? I can't believe I always forget exactly what I'm going to say just m- mid sentence. You got to really keep annoying. little sticky notes right next to your computer. Yeah, I really need to. Our first article is over on IGN, is written by Tom Marks, and it is Candace of Hyrule release set for June. Uh, the hilariously long-named Candace of Hyrule Crypt of the Necrodancer featuring The Legend of Zelda will be coming out sometime this June, according to a new trailer, though we still don't have an exact date. Um, it says later on in the article that he is speculating. Uh, it says it's possible the lack of hard date could mean that Nintendo is saving it uh, as an available right now announcement for its Nintendo E3 showcase, but that's pure speculation. Um, and he says they do pepper it in often. Like last year, they did Fortnite um, and Hollow Knight as well. How much do you guys want to bet that this is this is definitely just going to be like shadow dropped at E3? Oh, 100%. Like I could totally see something like that. Like I originally thought from what somebody had told me that it was coming out towards the end of June at some point, or at least, you know, sometime this summer. But I could totally see that like being something that they drop at the end of the Direct. Yeah, I. it definitely makes sense from a marketing perspective, especially since this isn't really, like, Nintendo-based as far as them strictly publishing it. So I think it would make sense for them to jump into the bandwagon of being able to be on the Nintendo stage um, from the developers of Cadence of Hyrule. Um, this will probably be the most publicity that they can get for it. So it just... It, everything kind of makes sense for it, I think. If it's not going to shadow drop... I think that it would be announced that it's going to come out by the end of the month. 
I also think that it'll also be shown on the, the Nintendo Treehouse presentation on the stage during E3. Like, that's a game I feel like they could show that and talk about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because that would be so cool if they were actually playing with, like, one of the DDR pads and having you do it as well. That'd be, that'd be kind of random and kind of cool. But my point is, because it's Zelda and because, obviously, you know, that, that's, like, a, a big thing with a lot of people. And it's this game specifically has gotten a lot of attention, especially from that Direct when they first showed it. I think that'll be one of those games that'll be ideal for them to show like as part of their e3 quote-unquote lineup yeah i i just think that it would make sense because with the original one that was like their whole big pitch was like oh you can actually play this with a ddr pad you can actually you know play a music rhythm game even though it's not just the generic just notes notes and with this i feel like they would want to do something very similar um i don't know just because from the teaser trailer there were a lot of little options that you were doing in the game as far as changing weapons and things like that so i don't know if it'll work the same as the original Necrodancer game. Uh, I actually didn't get to play that one, which is why I'm super hyped about this, so I can actually try it out. Same. Um, but I think I think that having that on like the actual treehouse to see people playing it on that and then having at the same time another person like with a different controller just playing it regular would be a good promotion pitch for it. Um, I might be just in the minority that doesn't know this. Do they actually have a DDR pad that you can use on the Nintendo Switch? No, but I'm pretty sure you could probably use a USB pad if I there mean, is one. Yeah. yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, a lot of the the pads that are made for like the computer use that people hook up to whatever device, um, it's all just based on a USB. And then from there, it would just need to be uh, the game have something set up where you go and you press on each one of the pad buttons and that will determine, you know, the mapping for that controller. Because I used to do that when I, uh, back when I was really big into DDR and ITG, I used to have a metal pad um, at my house and I would hook that up to just my computer and set up all different type of programs that would have that built in. And it's really just mapping a controller the same as you would anytime you plug in like a controller into your PC that doesn't auto map for you. That got me thinking a little bit that it could be kind of cool if they announced that you could get like an official Candace of Hyrule DDR pad. Oh, that would be like so that during cool. the actual direct presentation. That'd be kind of cool as like another little sub surprise for it. Yeah. I would honestly really expect that, especially because of all the leaks of, like, uh, uh, GameStop, I think, recently just had a weird leak of one of their ads that featured a Candace of Hyrule thing, um, Mm -hmm. which wasn't, like, an actual piece of hardware or anything like a DDR pad, but it actually had it featured with, like, a Nintendo Switch and everything, so that's, for the most part, why people were expecting it to have a firm release date or to be released uh, on, on May 30th, which it didn't. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I could totally see, yeah, them doing like a special promotion where you could get a DDR pad for the Nintendo Switch for Candace of Hyrule. That would just make sense, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I guess I'm just the weird person who's not that into DDR. I actually have played Crypt of the Necrodancer. I was terrible at it. I was so bad. It's so much fun, but from what I understand, people who are actually good at video games have issue with it because it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I heard that was one of the main things was the difficulty, which I assume being that this is like a more Nintendo base and that they would assume that more kids would get into this, that they'll probably scale that down a bit. Um, But I don't know, maybe not. We'll have to see. Yeah, yeah, you don't know. I got really excited about it when uh, I think it was Miranda Sanchez talked about it on Nintendo Voice Chat this week or last week. They were talking about Candace of Hyrule, and I was, and it totally makes sense now 
I did not know that you could actually play it with a DDR pad. But mm-hmm. she said like she was excited to play this one with a DDR pad mm-hmm. when it came when it comes out, and I was like, I don't understand that reference. I don't get, it. <laughs> get with the times, buddy. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I guess I'm just out of it. Uh, speaking of getting with the times, our next news article is over on Game Informer. It is written by who's this written by? Oh, it's Elise Favis, Favis, something like that. I'm as far as I know that that could be like Elijah. So I'm not 100 percent certain. <laughs> I think. <it> um, <laughs> This is a Celeste's up-and-coming free DLC. We'll have over 100 levels. I'm going to tell you guys right now, I'm getting real pissed off with all these updates on this Celeste DLC, okay? And I'm going to give you a little bit of background since JJ doesn't know. Hmm. Like, six, uh, six months ago now, or technically it's six months and four days, I purchased the Celeste Collector's Edition through uh through what was it limited run games and now they will not send it out until this update is finished so they can put it on the disc and it's annoying the shit out of me but think of how many levels you'll have now yeah, yeah. but i mean did you buy that like <laughs> mad long ago though yeah i bought it like six months ago <laughs> okay so yeah i'd be pissed off too honestly I'd be it was initially off. yeah it was initially supposed to come out i think a month or two ago um and then they were like they just uh, they didn't contact me or anything and i don't know if they contacted like really any of the actual like purchasers of this item but uh i had to like look it up because i was like dude why the fuck am i not getting this collector's edition where is it because i also purchased another game that will won't ship until this ships so i've got like two games just waiting I'm like, all right. Wow. One of them was Momodora, and they just announced like this really cool collector's edition for the Nintendo Switch, and I was like, I should have just fucking waited. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. But the actual news is Matt Thorson, the creator of Platformer Celeste, has been revealing more information about the game's big upcoming DLC. He recently wrote on Twitter that the DLC titled Chapter 9, Farewell, will have over 100 levels. Holy cow, that's a lot. That's a Um, lot. Yeah. What does yeah, that I mean, what does that mean though? Is that like each time the screen pans like in the game? That's what I'm like, thinking. Like I don't think yeah. it's like an actual hundred levels, like, you know, big stages like that. That's a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause that's like impossible. Like I mean, how many levels are in like a normal or not normal, but like the original levels? Like it seems like that's pretty on par with what was originally there maybe more like 50 but like how big is this chapter in comparison to the others i think that celeste initially had like it had it definitely has like over 16 levels as far as i know um because they had the the eight chapters which i believe are like eight individual levels and then they had the backsides from what i understand which was like an additional challenge so but yeah, it's just kind of me talking out my ass. No, yeah, 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 no, 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 no. Those are like those are chapters, though, not levels. Like I think what they're referring to in this is each time, like okay, like in the screenshot that we have right here. Yeah, that, you're talking about this specifically being that one level. screenshot is one level. What I'm assuming is each time you go from one the left side to the right side of the screen, that's a level. I would mm. assume because otherwise that's impossible. There's like no way they would have made like. 10 times as many games in this D- this one DLC chapter than the original. I think you might be right, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I would be surprised if you were not right. If it came out and they had like full levels, meaning like the, the chapter size levels, basically, I'd just be like, all right, this is excessive. 
Yeah, I don't even. Who's going to finish all this content? (laughs) Someone will. That's going to be one hell of a speed run, though. Seriously, did either of you guys play Celeste? I know, Josh, you have played a little of it. Have you, Jay? No, not really. I mean, this is probably. (sighs) Candace of Hyrule is probably going to be the first time I really get hands on time with it. Um. <laughs> wait. What? All right. I mean, no, no, yeah, that's that, that threw but, me off. Yeah, I, was, I was like, wait, yeah, what? No, that was my bad. Because like, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of a grim, uh, was a crypt of the Necrodancer. But Still no, I haven't, I haven't played. Yeah, I haven't played uh, Celeste yet. No, because I know a lot of people have made a big deal about it. You know, I'm saying that it's a great, fantastic game. I just haven't played it yet. Uh, it's a, it's a good one. I definitely recommend. Like, especially if you're a platformer junkie, it's, uh, it's pretty on point. Like, there, it's, it's really good. It's. It can be very challenging, um, but it's well worth it when you are able to figure out the pattern that you have to go about it. Um, and then you can watch people who speed run it and feel like uh, an idiot who can't do anything properly because they just do it with such ease. Um, but it's it's really fun, and the, the moral of the, the whole game behind it is just such a sweet... Um, just such a sweet message for a game that you normally don't see and is becoming a little bit more popular in today's day and age, um, but isn't talked about as much as it needs to be. So for like for those reasons, I definitely recommend it. I don't know really how, f- how much. I mean, I, I guess we have heard about this being more of like now it's more story-based for Chapter 9. I don't know anything about what it will be like, though. I've actually heard it's the opposite. That there really? wasn't going to be story in chapter nine. Yeah, on, I thought uh, that was I thought that was originally why they had prolonged it. Um, I I don't think so. I, initially, hmm. they prolonged it. Uh, it will be completely free. The additional content released in 2019. However, the project's yeah, the project grew in scope. Uh, Thornson said the January. So I so what I've heard is that initially it did not have story. It was just levels, but maybe, yeah, they did actually push it back specifically so that they like could put story elements into it. Because something that Celeste was really known for was its story that hinted on, uh, not hinted on, but hit on big issues like mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would I would assume, yeah, you're right, that there will actually be additional story in this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just, I. that's what I recall, but I might be wrong. It's fine. Regardless, we have to wait a little bit longer for more content. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to wait just a little bit longer for my collecting edition. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to wait even longer. <laughs> I'm not super salty about it at all. I mean, yeah, definitely not. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine so. Uh, speaking of things that are just really going to take forever to come out, our last news story that we're going to do a deep dive into is over on Nintendo Life, and it is Liam. Uh, it's written by Liam Doolin, I think I like is that his last name. name. That's a cool name. It reminds me of... uh, I think that is literally like a name in Lord of the Rings. I'm 100% sure. Yeah, Doolin is a name in Lord of the Rings. In The Hobbit, I believe so, yeah. Hmm. Not 100% sure, though. Um, This article is (laughs) Bug Fables looks like the Paper Mario game we've been waiting for. Uh, Did either of you guys play Paper Mario? Actually, I shouldn't ask that because I know Josh is obsessed with Paper Mario. I have played Paper Mario. Like, which which Paper Mario, though? Like, is it Paper Mario Sticker Star or Paper Mario on the Wii? Oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't count as a Paper Mario. That's that's (laughs) trash. That's... Josh is a Paper Mario purist. If you did not notice, you I only count now. you only count the first two. Everything else that happened after that was just uh, you know it was just a mistake. 
They just really? made a mistake. They yeah. never meant to release it. <laughs> <laughs> so is that like is that Paper Mario and a Thousand Year Door or what yes. games are those? Yes. That is mm. the original and Thousand Year Door are the best. And everything Not else. Not Sticker Star? No. No. <laughs> yeah, Sticker no Star sticker is the star. best Paper Mario. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> or or the Mario the Luigi. One after that. The Mario Luigi one with the uh, Paper Mario that happened. <laughs> the I mean, well, no, like you're saying about how the the Luigi brothers, like the or not no the no Luigi no, there, there was a Mario, there was a Mario Luigi game where Paper Mario was a guest character that he actually. Oh appeared. yeah yeah yeah, that's the most we'll get out of like a good RPG game from Paper Mario now from Nintendo, yeah. because basically, well basically what happened was Paper Mario used to be like an awesome series, and then they just decided no no more of that. We're gonna do the Mario Brothers like Mario and Luigi uh, RPG games for the GBA. And they just kept rolling with those, and they were like, yep, Paper Mario is pretty much just just make it more generic now and kind of carbon copy and throw it away. And, the uh, most recent one was Color Splash on the Wii U, right? Uh, Isn't that what it's called? Uh, I, believe... no, I, thought that, I thought that was on the 3DS, I thought. Uh, Sticker I... Star is on the 3DS. No, Sticker Star is on 3DS. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. I, I think the other one is called Color Splash, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, I might just be throwing that out there. I mean... It doesn't matter anyway. It's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just it doesn't exist basically. Uh yeah, Paper Mario Color Splash for the Wii U. Boom, um, dude. All that GameStop experience is paying off. I know, you're so good. Surprisingly, it's got a 76 on Metacritic. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Oh, yeah, it's so strange. <laughs> Turns out some people might like the later Paper Mario games. Apparently. <laughs> Somebody gave it a 0. <laughs> Was it you? <laughs> I mean, it should be, but no. <laughs> no. But, but if you are a, a a nice little purist like Josh is, you guys can check out uh, this awesome new game called Bug Fables. Actually, honestly, I'm very excited about this. Uh, developer Moonsprout Games and publisher Dangan, Dangan, something like that. Dan, Entertainment. Yeah, Dangan. They're actually Dangan, the people. Yeah. They're actually the people who um, published... Uh, did, did they do a Odalis? I think it was on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, they might have. But I was going to say they're actually the people who uh, were publishing that one Kickstarter we talked about. Uh, fuck, what was the name of it? Um, we literally talk about one kick, like one to two Kickstarters a week. Kingdom of Night. <laughs> Which one was that one? It was the one where you were like, oh, there's too much of the person fighting, like, just the physical fighting. I want to see more of, like, the mage stuff. And, like, we were looking at the, the tiers. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. A certain amount of classes if they hit that tier level. Yeah, they only had, like, two classes. I was like, what yeah, the hell, dude? At, yeah, at, like, base. I remember that. By the way, they hit all of those tiers um, and got all the classes. But, yeah, just Good. side note. <laughs> they're, they're actually, like, uh, publishers for a lot of different games that i didn't realize until just recently there was another one i was just looking at the other day oh god i wish i could remember anyway but um weird side tangent sorry (laughs) (laughs) so they will be releasing the charming adventure rpg bug fables on the nintendo switch and multiple other platforms later this year the paper mario style game follows the three heroes vi uh what vi v something like that uh kabu and leaf i i don't know why it says no not that leaf 
or not that one. I, I don't understand their reference. That's just, it's going over my head on that article. Um, as they embark on the epic quest within the continent of Bulgaria in search <laughs> of a treasure and an everlasting sapling which grants immortality. There's a bunch of awesome stuff in this game. Uh, you're going to have a bunch of unique areas, a vast uh, overworld that transitions into turn-based combat, um, which actually looks really awesome. I'm I'm very excited for this game. Are you guys going to possibly pick this up? I mean, I know Josh will because he's <laughs> such a big fan of Paper Mario. But will you, JJ? Uh, I don't think so. Not not personally <gasps> my taste. I don't think I'll probably have enough time to play it, to be honest with you. What? You aren't just blown out of the water by all these Beetle Boys? Absolutely Beetle not. Boys. I'm good with the Beetle Borgs. I'm good with that. I'm fine. <laughs> I mean, that was a good show. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I right, think it's you. on Hulu. I'm not oh, even really? joking. Oh, for real? Yeah, you nice. can watch it on Hulu. Time to binge. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh, I'm definitely going to get this game. This looks so cool, man. It. I mean, honestly, I watched uh, like some of the trailer, and just recently there was someone who was doing like some kind of live conference of it, and I was watching some people play it. This is like carbon copy Paper Mario. <laughs> like, It's kind of funny how obviously... Uh, a ripoff it is just because good every... paper mario or bad paper mario no like good paper mario like, okay i just like felt like is... i had to make sure like the same way that when you walk into an enemy the stage like that stage weird like curtain call happens is like directly taken from it the way enemies die is taken from it the way they have these little stars that spawn out of the dead person the enemy for like experience is taken from it like all of the the little like attack like kind of special things that you have to do are like it's just completely 100 percent paper mario without any of the mario aspect to it which is fine because if they're not going to do it then that's fine i'll just i'll go somewhere else for my fix yeah dude it's totally fine because mario is the douchiest part of paper mario so naturally bug fables with this thick beetle boy dude kabu is gonna do so much better i mean mean, i'm so excited for sure. Also, douchiest? Why? <laughs> I don't remember. Mario is such a douche. I mean, Am I the only one on earth who thinks Mario's an asshole? He's fine. He's you sounded like a hater right now, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I oh, just sound like a hating ass hater. <laughs> you got called out. <laughs> Dude, Luigi is this he's the MVP. Let's I be mean, real. It's true. It is the year of Luigi. It was yeah, the we're year gonna of get Luigi. to. No, it was no, no, the no. Year of the Every Yosh. year is the year of Luigi. You <laughs> <He> don't understand. <laughs> Josh's new main in Smash Bros. is Luigi, and he just oh, taunts by no. like rolling on the ground a bunch. I'm so terrible at Luigi and Smash. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever seen the the wombo combo that people do with Luigi? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I've seen it like uh, where two people play Luigi and they just keep doing it until they get like so high above the stage that they fall and like die or some stuff. It's awesome. People are are talented. That's all I'll say. And they, they like the they, plank online too with Luigi. <laughs> yeah, that's that sweet taunt that Luigi has is that planking. It's amazing. I have a friend who anytime he plays Luigi, he just runs to the edge of the screen. Like if we're playing three player, he lets the two of us kill each other and he sits on the edge of the screen and just planks. He's a dick. <laughs> uh, are you guys ready to get crammed in this amazing news cram segment? I mean, I am. There's a Let's lot of cool do stuff. It. Let's go. Cram, cram, cram. cram. Yeah, Josh does that. 
a lot. He very much enjoys this. He seems excited about the crank. I'm sure my neighbors do, too. (laughs) Everyone loves it. I mean, speaking of getting cramped, this first article, I mean... It gets you there. Uh, This is over on IGN. It's Inside's Real Doll Collector's Edition. Gets its first teaser image. I've looked at it. It looks gross. It looks disgusting. It does kind of look gross. (laughs) I want to know. I really want to know what's in this damn box. Oh, So did you look at the teaser image? Yeah, it's like him all huddled up and like scared, and they think it's like the evil monster from Inside or something. Yeah, in in the corner of the image, JJ, did you play Inside at all? Uh, no, I didn't finish it. I only got to dabble with it. Gotcha. At, at one point in time, not to spoil anything, you become, like, just something else. Something gross. It's just <laughs> disgusting. Um, and and the side of this image totally looks like that, which makes me believe that this is going to be, like, a basketball size, just, like, a mongoloid. It's just going to look gross. It's going to be, like, some Hills Have Eyes stuff. I'm... I'm very excited to see what this thing looks like. It's going to be gross. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I can't wait for like an IG unbo- unboxing or something like that. I wonder if they would. Because, I mean, t- they are like doing this with real dolls. So this might be a sex doll. I don't know who's I purchasing mean, this to like do that with. Oh, man. Especially because of how gross it is. Wouldn't that be great to watch that video where they're like, we're doing the unboxing. And then they're like, oh, 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 oh shut the camera off. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I forgot who the manufacturer of this is. <laughs> or they're like, there's this weird hole. I don't know what goes in there. <laughs> I don't know. You put like one of the Joy-Cons in here? I don't understand. <laughs> Our next article in Newscram is also on IGN. It is Cuphead will be playable in Tesla Model 3, Model S, and Model X cars. I don't have a Tesla. I don't know if you guys do, but this is cool. I mean, this is honestly the thing that everybody... Everybody and their mother has been asking for. So it's nice that Tesla's finally calling to our uh, our pleas. Just yeah, don't mean, play and drive. <laughs> you, <laughs> no, you actually you actually can't. It like when you yeah, start driving it'll you lock to be it. Parked. Okay. Yeah. And I believe I uh, I've heard that it's only the first world. Yeah, yeah, as of right now. I think they're I guess they'll like release it as they go. I, I don't know really, but That sounds a little cheap is all I'm saying, especially for a Tesla. <laughs> I'm just I saying. I think it's right on par for Tesla. <laughs> I mean, you could at least give us at least World 2 alongside of it as a deal at this point. <laughs> I'm wondering if you actually have to buy it. Like, if it's just know. like a free I download. I like, them. <laughs> yeah, how you used to get, like, Centipede on, like, old phones, or now every phone, for some reason, has Candy Crush downloaded on it. Like, I wonder if it's going to be like that, where every Model 3, Model S, and Model X just randomly gets Cuphead downloaded on it. And, like, the owners are like, why the fuck is this on you? (laughs) It's just at some point in time going to become, like, it's just going to become, like, garbage wear. It's just going to exist for no reason. That'll be fun. I'm very excited to see people get super annoyed about this. Uh, Like I said, I don't own a Tesla, but, man, that's cool. I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, you got it on the Switch. Why not get it in your car? I guess. Um, our next article, once again, on IGN, is Weather Factory reveals new game, Book of Hours, and announces Cultist Simulator Anthology Edition. Yeah, I never played Cultist Simulator or anything like that. I've It looked interesting. I never played it, though. Yeah, I have a friend who's been playing it, and he says it's, like, really difficult and kind of confusing. It looks interesting, but I just I haven't gotten into it. Me neither. <laughs> 
On to the next just one. So many, yeah, there's so many great indie games out there that it's hard to get everything to. Um, our next one is on Polygon. This is God's Trigger gets post-launch support and free content. Um, the one after that is Game Informer. Is over on Game Informer. It is Iron Maiden sues the developers of old-school shooter Ion Maiden. Just to be clear, that is Ion. I-O-N. Not, not Iron. Yeah. I remember hearing about this game at PAX East like two years ago. I remember that. I was like, damn, this sounds very similar to Iron Maiden. <laughs> Little did you know well, they so would get they. sued. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, apparently you could sue for anything now, I guess. I mean, even if you're just a letter off. I know. It is kind of crazy. Like, do they really... Like, you can tell that it's obviously inspired by it, but, like, are they really going to win? I feel like no, this I don't is think just, they're going to win. Dude, they're just Bethesda like, won with the developers of Pray for the Gods, and they had to put that stupid-ass A in the name of their game. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but that was a direct steal of the name. This is they they, they took a letter out. Pray for the gods. The other game is pray. Unless they it's, had like you know music from like Iron Maiden or like there was like a, a straight up like you know call out in the game, they're not going to win that case. They're yeah, going to settle I mean, out of court. It's more of just like filibusting them to just kind of be stuck there. You yeah. got to wonder if like the the people like if if it's PR kind of a thing like the agents for Iron Maiden like the band or if it's actually the people like in the Iron Maiden band that just were playing their PlayStation 4 one day and they're like wait what the fuck I'm this is Ion Maiden pretty sure they do not care at all yeah I don't think they care at all either <laughs> I'm pretty sure they have no idea what this is at all <laughs> just I, I guess so there's like 80 year old men on their PlayStation 4s being like what the fuck is this game dude it's kind of a shame because it. it looks interesting. It looks really cool. I mean, at, in the end of this, I imagine all they'd have to do is change the name. They'd be yeah. like, Neon Maiden. Ha, suck it. And then, yeah, <laughs> of course, somebody else would come down on them. Uh, also on Game Informer is Bosa Studios to close Worlds Adrift. Dude, Worlds Adrift looked so cool. I never got to play it, and now I'm depressed that it's getting like closed. I was waiting for it to come to consoles like I do every other game because... I'm not going to play on PC, especially not with Josh, but I <laughs> got a man up. Got to put on the big boy PC pants. Did you guys see anything for this game before? Ha- have you seen anything for it? I, I, I think no I may have heard of it, but I don't think I've seen anything for it. Yeah, I have no yeah. idea what this is. It's like grappling hook space pirates. That's the easiest way to explain it, which mm. sounds really weird. Trust me. But if you see anything for this game, it'll make sense. It just makes sense. Like, uh, this was coming out... When I initially saw this was when, like, Sea of Thieves was just announced and everything. So you play... You can make your own, like, kind of, uh, like, an airship. And you can upgrade it and everything. And you play... It's a multiplayer game, so you can play with multiple people. But there's this really cool feature where you can grapple... Like, use this big grappling hook to hook onto your, like, your airship. And swing over and attack other people's airships. It's awesome. It's super cool. I mean, it was super cool. Now, yeah. It's well, sounds sounds interesting. <laughs> Too bad I had, uh, can't do anything with it. Man, should have started this podcast like two years ago when this game came out. We could have maybe got people to play it. <laughs> maybe, maybe. The next article is over on Twinfinite, and it is Bloodstained: Ritual of the Night shines in new gameplay, showing platforming and massive boss. So I think we're all here pretty excited for this game. Right? Oh yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's also nice because, like, one of the last things I heard about this was Bloodstained playing poorly at one of the last conferences they showed it off at. 
and they they originally said it was because of like the the devices being overheated um so it's good to see that they're still getting good publicity and maybe it was just the case that they had a bad maybe that was just that one instance because i know i played it at e3 one time i played on xbox one and i actually liked it it was a very short level we played it with ega and he was kind of like walking us through like the stage and stuff and it's exactly what you would expect you know a a spiritual successor to fate of the night you know there there really wasn't much that seemed like there was wrong with it i think that now since then they've had a really good visual upgrade i think that they're showing they're starting to be a little bit more comfortable showing a lot more crazier stuff that's going to be in that game i think this one is going to be really really cool yeah. What? Oh, I was gonna ask JJ if he backed it on Kickstarter when it. No, I did not. No, I did not actually. I I decided not to at at the time. I decided just to wait for when it was gonna come out and stuff. I mean that that's a very gray area for a lot of us in the media when it comes to like backing Kickstarters, even though we might be real fans of like specific games and stuff. it, It just is a very gray moral area. Yeah, it seems a little weird. I was I was really hoping that you had so I could ask you how you feel about the Kickstarter exclusive DLC <laughs> yeah. being like available to the public because apparently they I'd be only pissed asked, about like, that thirty percent. <laughs> yeah, I, if I was one of those people that that was that paid for that type of stuff or put money down for it, I'd be a little bit pissed off. I can understand the frustration with that. Yeah, last week we were talking about, like, a Game Informer article that was talking about it. I was like, man, this is condescending. Because it was, like, talking about how they were choosing to be upset. I was I was telling Josh, I was like, if there's anyone who's going to be upset about this, it should be them. I now, don't you know see anybody else. It's funny because I don't like articles like that that are a little bit condescending. Like, just in general, it's be like, oh, no, you should not feel this way. Like, shame on you. And stuff. I think that's kind of wrong. But I also think there's another aspect of that is that the idea of Kickstarters, especially when, you know, you get a bunch of people backing you, you know, as a company and then stuff changes or stuff shifts. Remember, that also happened with Kenji and Afune. I think it was with Red Ash. It was mm. one of his games that, on a Kickstarter that a lot of stuff changed up because they found new investors. I could totally understand people's frustrations when things like that really seismic shift throughout the time, like when that Kickstarter's open or when they're in development. And you could argue the same thing kind of like, you know, with uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, technically. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could argue that especially because they like they had initially promised the uh, Vita edition and they actually canceled it. And they canceled it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I say this a lot when, when we're talking about any time with like Kickstarters and whatnot. You're putting in that money as an investment. It's a risk. Like It's the same with any kind of investment. You're basically trusting those people and sometimes it works out perfectly and sometimes it doesn't and that's just the risk it's an investment with, with no return well yeah i mean eventually you might get a return <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like no return in money is what i mean like that you're gonna get the game but that you pay for but like no no investment uh that get, gives you no return you know basically well money. yeah unless you're doing like fig and their model but yes true yeah, Fig is really cool. When Josh showed me that for God Bless the Crowd, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> you basically like back it and become kind of like an actual investor. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. Um, the next article in Newscram is over on Twinfinite. It is publisher Team 17 will announce two new games this week. Uh, funny enough, one of those games was actually announced. We have it further down in Newscram. <laughs> It's actually uh, Blasphemous, which is the next uh, 2D Dark Souls-like game to watch out for. I've been actually following Blasphemous for a while. It looks really, really cool. It looks really gross, like most Dark Souls games do. It's like just grotesque, wet people. That's what Blasphemous looks like, and I'm very (laughs) excited for it. It looks awesome. 
<laughs> also on Nintendo Life, not that it, I mean, the other one wasn't, but I guess this one also is, um, is Shovel Knight update coming to musical bullet hell game Just Shapes and Beats. I've never played Just Shapes and Beats, but man, I love me some Shovel Knight. Not going to get me to play it, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah. It did look pretty cool in the the actual trailer because all like basically everything that you're avoiding is things that look and will be familiar to people who have played the game like the symbols the different type of enemies like based on the level and the the different type of knight that you're facing so it's pretty cool yeah you're gonna have a bunch of like rats with helicopters thrown at you like little <laughs> Maybe, propellers. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, awesome. So this one's actually real. Also on Nintendo Life, uh, trying to avoid try to avoid updating your Katana Zero on Switch if you value your save file. That's not a good headline. I would not be excited to read that if I have that if I had it on Nintendo Switch, which yeah. I don't. And one of their weird things, like it has been fixed apparently, but they still it takes process time for that to actually get up. Get to, certified. Yeah, exactly to get patched and into the nintendo store um and one of the things they're doing as like kind of a fix is they're putting in eventually a cheat code that will just let you say that you beat the game to like i guess travel to different sections i don't know because i haven't played the game so i don't know if you can story jump but i guess they're just doing that to make it easier for those who like lose a lot of content it just sucks because that seems like it's well if i'm halfway through i don't want to beat the full game you know yeah, yeah, we should ask Roger. He's a big fan. He he'd probably know. We'll we'll give our audience an update from from Roger, the biggest uh, Katana Zero fields. fan ever. <laughs> our next article over on Nintendo Life is Time Splinter is a Metroidvania turning back the clock on Switch next week. Time Splinter looks really really cool. I've heard it's pretty fantastic actually. Yeah, it's been out on the PC for a while now, but um, I, I have heard. I think it was also things. on PlayStation Four and the Vita as well. I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah, I don't know about Vita, but maybe. I, I'm honestly not sure. Anything right, coming to the Vita now blows my mind. <laughs> It's a little crazy. Uh, next one is Velvet yep, Swing arrives on, on Switch in a ooh knew it uh, in a Fortnite with a bucket of weird bucket full of weird. That's a little odd. Um, the next one is the space theme puzzle adventure Afterlife is targeting a Switch release. Uh, then we've got Vectronom drops some chiptastic tunes on Switch today, which it should be already out because I grabbed these articles like two days ago. So, <laughs> yeah, you can pick up that game two days ago. Uh, the next one is see the world in a different way. What? In a different way in another site on Switch? That's a weird title. I'm going to be honest, I don't like it. Yeah, that. that is a weird title. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty weird. I'm so glad somebody else is here to need to go back something. to the editing room on that one <laughs> <laughs> to fix that headline. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, it really threw me off. I was like, wait, what? Okay. <laughs> the next news article we have in Newscram is uh, 198X release trailer fires up our arcade nostalgia. Isn't that pronounced um, 1980X, though? <laughs> is it 1980X? Yeah. 1980X, yeah. That sounds <laughs> sounds better. 1,988X. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. That's a weird title. I'm not... <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't like that. That's another it's one that ju- got to go back to the editing room. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the... Uh, what was that game that came out not too long ago? I think it was Vol. No, it was Valhalla, but it had... Oh, with uh, all the ones and 11, like... Oh. Yeah, or like uh, Y2K, how it has Yuck. like two ones. 
Yeah, the good oh, like old it, It's written in Leet, basically. Yeah, there's just so many weird, like, ways that people make names. I guess to try to stand out, because most people just make fun of their names, but then they stand out so much that it's like, that's just weird, dude. It's like, just do stop that? me. Just stop it. Just, just make a real name, is all I'm saying. Yeah, you're like, just make, like... <laughs> metroidvania like new metroidvania game that's all you need that's your name that's cool it makes sense uh the next news article we have is also from nintendo life it is momodora reverie under the moonlight receiving a limited run physical release it already did on playstation 4 which i bought and still haven't pro- and still haven't got so you know i'll just, I'll just go die it's cool it's cool <laughs> not for you <laughs> Speaking of limited run, our next article is on Gomatsu. It is Psychonauts PlayStation 4 limited run physical edition announced. Dude, pre-orders go live for this on Friday. I am so stoked. By the time this episode comes out, I'm going to have purchased some sweet-ass Psychonauts limited edition stuff. Guys, (laughs) I'm excited. I'm very excited. What a strange time for this to come out. I guess it makes sense because Psychonauts 2 and like the press release and everything, but yeah, this is such an old game. <laughs> yeah, I I honestly would have thought that they would have saved this announcement for something like the, the Kind of Funny Games Showcase, especially because mm, Greg maybe. Miller was tweeting out pictures of Tim Schafer at their studio for yeah, Kind I of Funny Games Showcase. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's even more big news. Maybe maybe he's going to be there to talk about Psychonauts too. But this would have been a cool thing to add on to top of that, you know, especially with him there. Yeah, especially because like uh, it's not uh, okay. So kind of funny. This is their second game showcase. The first one actually had limited run games like announcements. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, it had the Celeste Collector's Edition, which I purchased. Still haven't got. I'm just going to bring it up as much as possible. Um, (laughs) And the last article that we're going to talk about, because I already talked about Blasphemous, is Barkley 2 indie game. uh, Honestly, I cannot read that word. Disintegrates? Disintegrates? Disintegrates. There you go. Disintegrates. For some reason, I just couldn't do it. (laughs) What? Disintegrates? Disintegrates, yeah. (laughs) Barkley 2 indie game disintegrates years after successful $100,000 Kickstarter. Holy shit. That Speaking is a lawsuit. The, <laughs> yeah, the perils of Kickstarter right there, guys. That's a pretty bad one. That's a real big one. <laughs> I've Honestly, it's a little bit bad that that news article just happened to be right before. Uh, we transition to our next and almost last segment of the podcast. Uh, this is where Josh hops into a bunch of different indie uh, kickstarting, like, what am the word I'm looking for? Crowdfunding. crowdfunding. I can't believe I forgot <laughs> it. Where Josh hops into a bunch of different crowdfunding sites, finds some awesome indie games, and we talk about them. This is God Bless the Crowd. We've got two indie games to talk about this week over on Kickstarter. We've got Reign of X and Fling to the Finish. Now, I'm going to tell you guys right now, well, let's start off with Reign of X. It is a new deep strategy RPG on Steam. I, I don't know why they had PC there, but all right. Um, so they're asked. Yeah, just just in <laughs> case you didn't know where Steam was. Just, I don't know. Um, it could be I a guess Steam this, box. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, I was going to say, it could yeah. be the Steam machine. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever purchased those, they will not be able to purchase this, I guess. Um, <laughs> so the goal that they're looking for is almost $100,000. It's $95,675. They have 109 backers, 14 days left to go, and they currently have $4,579. There's absolutely no way that this gets funded. 
I don't know. Maybe maybe wow. a rich investor decides to throw $100,000 in it for no apparent reason. So wait, let me get this straight. They got over 100 people or so supporting the project and they're asking for 100 grand in order to in order to fund this game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that does not look like it's getting funded anytime soon. Like I it's, I get like shooting high with a Kickstarter, but I feel like, you know, there needs to be some realistic expectation unless it's really going to cost them that much which i i don't know again i don't know the economics of like certain indie games like that Mm -hmm. trust me this is a conversation we have every week yeah (laughs) yeah you never know what these because like because some of them they'll create these egregious like crazy numbers that you're like there's no way you're gonna make it but then they do and you're like what the hell and then other times you'll see these games where it's like you have ninety five thousand dollars as your goal and it's been almost your full entire campaign and now you only have four thousand dollars so it really depends like there needs to be a lot of marketing like i feel specifically for kickstarters there needs to be a lot of marketing and already know how in these type of games it needs to be a demand too for the specific idea because you look at other kickstarters that like explore like again look at bloodstained stuff you know before everything else changed with it people were in demand for that type of game or that type of genre and stuff are people really craving right now a, a deep strategy rpg i mean when I when I see deep strategy RPG, I'm thinking either Final Fantasy Tactics, I'm thinking Disgaea, I'm thinking you know stuff like that. I mean, does there is there really a demand for something like that right now? I mean, I would say that there there still is. You still see games like um, like Divinity Two that got backed and was a huge success, and then you also have games like Pillars of Eternity Two, which or Pillars of Eternity One, which wasn't as successful from a a market not marketing but like financial standpoint but there's still games that are getting back there's still people who believe in a lot of these uh types but i think it's usually because you know that team already or because they have something right out the gates that is like this is why the game is awesome because it has this one unique element or this one you know this this thing that really is the attention grabber with this, yeah, Reign of X, it actually looks like an interesting game to some degree. Like, I think this would be a game that I would play if I just had it kind of a thing. But there's nothing that for me is grabbing my attention as something that I absolutely need. And that's probably why, you know, there's not a lot of funding for it right now. Yeah, you guys talking about how maybe we don't, like, there might not be a whole lot of demand for tactical RPGs, and then Josh bringing up, like, Pillars of Eternity, uh, Torment, Tides of Numenera, stuff like that. The the big difference, I would say, between Reign of X, I guess, um, and those is this seems less of an actual, like, turn-based, like, tactical RPG and more of, like, I, I think the only tactics that really goes no. into it is in this weird card system and like switching out heroes. Yeah, no, this looks more very Diablo-esque, to be honest. Yeah, I think marketing this as like a tactical RPG was a big oversight. It's kind of weird, honestly. Mm. I see. Yeah, it seems a little odd, but people like Josh who love card games will really like this <laughs> 108 <laughs> heroes card system. Oh, yeah, so. let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> really, if anything, they should have marketed this as a card game. As long as you probably would have got a lot of money. It. <laughs> See, this matches your criteria, Josh. It's not fully a card game. It I is know. also something else. Nobody knows because it doesn't seem marketed appropriately. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Um, I also think it's a little weird um, just because you 
you can't actually get the game until you throw 22 bucks like us dollars to them and the oh, other, that's a no no the other tiers above it like at first i was looking at it and i was like oh only 15 dollars for their closed beta access and i was like that's you know 15 dollars that's a reasonable like kickstarter amount for normal games you'll usually put in that that price point but I was looking at it and I was like, it only says closed beta access. Where do you actually get the game? And you have to keep scrolling down a couple of tiers until it finally says, list, uh, where is it? List is backer on the website CD key for the full game. Okay, I think that right there is the problem because a lot of Kickstarter games, especially the successful ones, they already have like uh, you getting a copy or a code for the game at like the 5 or $10 level, like really, really cheap. You know, to me, I think that's maybe shooting a little bit too high. And I think people are looking at that and saying to themselves, like, do I really want to invest money into this, especially if something that's so unknown right now? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something you have to think about with all these Kickstarters. And it is like that. It goes to our point again is like it has to be either something that has that element of like, oh, this is very unique or something where we know the developer from before where we can trust putting in this initial money because yeah, rep. Like these are just random developers who have worked from others that are creating their own company. So it's like, well, how how much do we trust that with your idea of this new game that, you know, what does your game bring to the table? And I think it's cool that they do offer that, you know, closed beta access, so low price to your point. But I think it is very weird. Usually you would see this where instead it's the reverse and it's the lower point to get the game and you pay more to actually be a part of the closed beta. Exactly. Or I mean, be part I, of the process in making it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to to talk when you guys are talking about the price point for like actually getting it, twenty two actually isn't even it. That's like an early bird price, seemingly because it's limited to three hundred. Yeah. The mm-hmm. actual price is thirty dollars for this. To so once these like early bird ones are taken up, the three hundred you have to pay thirty dollars, which you do get some other cool stuff, like you get this like key ring or whatever and a pen some postcards and some other stuff which is cool because this is probably one of the only uh kickstarters we've seen in the whole time like 33 now episodes of doing this segment that i have actually seen people like offer that kind of stuff like Mm -hmm. physical rewards anything but digital wallpapers basically and like beta access for purchasing the game but 30 dollars is a steep price Especially exactly. like how you guys said for like something that is not a known quantity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a shame too because the the breakdown of the the actual like um, leveling system looks kind of interesting because the way they talk about characters, it seems like there's classes, but you can kind of build them to do whatever you want and mix and match. So there's probably, which is that card system you talked about. So <laughs> obviously I would promote it. I think that too is also part of it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I think it is an interesting element to it, but I don't think, and this is kind of almost a joke of what you said, Vaughn, I think they should have marketed that part a little bit harder is they should have gone into more of the customization. Cause what I'm seeing right now is more of just like a basic, you know, Diablo-esque, but more kind of third person actually in the character rather than a top-down dungeon crawler version of it yeah and let alone the fact that the trailer was just atrocious it was bad 
It, I feel like, like you're never happy with Kickstarter trailers, though. So okay, some of them are really bad, though. Some of them just approach it wrong. Like I could, I actually speak to this because I've spoken to different, like you know, college graduate, you know, like indie devs or people that have tried to get in on stuff like this. And sometimes you you would think that you know them approach it, they would have like all their bases covered and stuff. And just sometimes they just drop the ball right in the first impression. That's so key, especially when you're trying to get people to invest money into your project like that. Mm-hmm. And it's a damn shame. It really sucks. Yeah, Yeah, that's so true, especially because, like, fling to the finish, honestly, just seeing, like, what this game looks like, if I hadn't seen that trailer, I probably wouldn't have cared, but our next, like, this this next one we're going to talk about, having seen the trailer and seen, like, people having fun with it and really enjoying it really got me into it and made me want to play this game versus Reign of X, where it was, like, I watched it and it's just basically still images the whole time until you get to this weird like CG-esque character that for some reason on her card has a different hair color than in the game Um, and it doesn't really even show gameplay like after that after it goes through this weird like story-esque sequence then it goes into concept art which is cool. But something that people really need to see is gameplay, especially when you say it's a tactical RPG, which then you scroll down and you're like, wait, this doesn't seem like a tactical RPG at all. This seems like a Diablo-esque game. Yeah, I mean, it it also is just a a big, you know, perspective of every game is going to be in a different state um, when they're at these Kickstarters. And Fling to the Finish is obviously more ready. And you can see that a lot of the times in the amount that they're asking for. So it's it's much tougher, once again, because there's a lot of unknown. Because really, they're nowhere near you know, uh, an, an actual completion date with that game. Because it seems very just starting it and getting those ideas put together. As to where Fling to the Finish seems more ready. And what we're doing as far as backing it is polishing. Um, but yeah, let's just jump to the the next one. Okay, I did want to ask one more question. Did you do you know like the uh, the estimated delivery times that they have? Do you know if you have to put something down there, or is it like an option to just put like TBD kind of a thing? Um, I've in a lot of the ones that I've seen, I've never really seen a TBD for estimated delivery, um, which is interesting because yeah, November twenty twenty seems pretty close for what they've shown in this um yeah especially when they ask for like a hundred thousand dollars almost but let's see is that the only estimated because yeah that is further down they have one that's like october October. but i believe that's because it's like the the two thousand dollar one or something yeah oh no i guess it's only november oh no october right here Uh, yeah it's interesting because originally i thought that would be more because they might be tailoring that towards when you'll get the beta access Instead, since all of them allow you to go to the closed beta, so maybe they're just giving you the first one. Um, because what I was assuming is what they would do is they would have the November 2020 on the beta access ones that are only beta, and then for the game, they would give you a more, uh, you know, farther out date, but that doesn't seem to be the case. I don't know, maybe they are closer into the development process or, or farther along, but they just didn't show it as well. Um, I don't know. I would assume that there's no way that it could come out November 2020. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's something I really like with some Kickstarters where they actually, like, they'll do in their product descriptions and their tier descriptions, they'll be like, hey, this is, like, the, this is when, so you'll get a copy of the game and then they put in parentheses, estimated time of delivery, like, 
this month or whatever. So yeah. they they actually specify when you might. Actually I like get that, that though. I really like that, and I think I also yeah. like when when they give frequent blog updates, like on those little updates that you put like towards the bottom and stuff. That gives you detailed information as they go along and stuff, because that's when I see like a lot more kind of. Uh, not not the the deadline like the specific dates, but like you know the time frame, the window mm-hmm. of when they're actually looking at stuff, and that changes constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. It seems like with Kickstarters, the more information that you have on the product, the better, especially because it makes like it makes people feel. I would say it makes them feel a little bit more secure in the decision, uh, especially when like when we were talking earlier about how this is like you investing in a product that may may or may not, depending on what you consider a return, ever have one because people have just taken the money. They've just been like, all right, you, you know something? This, this just kind of reminds me of something. You know, It reminds me of another indie game that had a Kickstarter that they didn't charge for the beta access. I think it was Hazelnut Bastille. That was from a while back. It, it plays a little bit, kind of like The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, they didn't end up charging uh, on their Kickstarter or any of their other stuff that they were asking for, for the beta or basically a demo of like one level of the game. And I think that was a great way to get a lot of people invested and be like, oh, let me see this, if this is for me and stuff. And that garnered a lot of attention, a lot of support afterwards. I wish that more Kickstarters would do something along those lines than something like this. Personally, again, that's just my opinion. Little yeah. did you know, Hazelnut Bastille was actually one of the first games that we had on God Bless the Crowd. <laughs> oh, and wow. then I made I a joke it. about it. it on Twitter about how, like, I made a joke saying that the reason that it got funded was because we featured it on our segment. <laughs> oh, and nice. somebody, like, tweeted back at me, and they're like, are you being serious? I can't tell. I was <laughs> well, like, they were no. ready. <laughs> they were ready to come out. It's like, yo, that's time to represent Hazelnut Bastille. <laughs> yeah, it's like, in what way was I being serious? I don't understand. Uh, like, but... Excuse me, good sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next game and last game that we have on God Bless the Crowd is Fling to the Finish, a cooperative uh, racing game where you are tethered to your best friend or worst enemy. This game reminds me so much of... Uh, linked together the the s- series that they had on IGN where Brian Altano and I forget who else I think it might have been Sam Claiborne uh, played Breath of the Wild but only using one Joy-Con <laughs> like each that's what this oh, I reminds think that, I me think of. That was Zach- I think that was Zachary Ryan I could, I could be wrong though because I, I remember seeing I think that you're video. right I, I think you're right. I think it was Zach Ryan. I, I, I remember him like talking about it um, on his last episode of Nintendo Voice Chat. Yeah. So are you guys excited about this game? Honestly, I think this game looks awesome. <laughs> I haven't it seen like it. It looks like so honestly. much fun. I mean, the, it sounds it sounds really dope, though. Yeah, the only thing that I would honestly say that's weird about this is you have to share the controller with somebody if you're playing local co-op. I don't like that. I hate that so much. <laughs> that's a party game thing. That That's like a drunk party game type of thing that you would pull out for everybody. Like that, To me, that sounds like fun and goofy. Yeah, it definitely sounds fun and goofy. the The art style reminds me so much of Deformers. It's kind of weird. Oh, like, God. yeah, Deformers. <laughs> it's just the like chunky little fat round like animal characters. That's what this art style reminds me of, and it's so funny. <laughs> wow, it is pretty cool. I uh, and it's it's a good like it's a good price point for it too. I like how you can get two copies for a even lower price than getting the one with the the second tier up and then as you keep going it's like these little skins so i think they they did it right um with it 
And one of the things that we talked about, uh, I believe you mentioned, is I like how they put the funding of like the reasons why, like where your money is going to. Of like, I like that. Saying that here's a big chunk is for game development, then music, software licenses, legal fees. Like it breaks it down of like why we're asking for this. Um, yeah, but as far as like actual gameplay, it looks pretty dope. Like it just looks really goofy. Um, I can. Yeah, like you said, this looks like such a good drunk game. Like having a bunch of friends over, <laughs> drinking and trying to play this game together. Like what a nightmare but great time at the same time. <laughs> That's so true. And I love that it's not like it's not necessarily like your typical racing game where you're just trying to race to the finish. It also has that kart racer aspect where you can pick up different power-ups and use them. Mm-hmm. So like it has a, in the attack section where they drop a shitload of plungers on their enemy. Yeah. <laughs> I also just like how you can get tangled with the other and en- like your opponents. <laughs> They're like in one of the gifts, it's just them going across like a log and it's everyone just like tangling up in each other's like rope. It looks so That's weird. Hilarious. Yeah, they just get stuck together. This game looks awesome. I'm actually really excited about this. I'm wondering if this is going to, like, when this game releases, I should give you a little bit, should give the listeners, viewers, whatever you'd like to be called, I guess, the fans, because we have so many, I should give them a little bit of background. Uh, the goal for them is actually $15,000. They've made $13,279 with 22 days left to go and 268 This is totally a reasonable goal. I think mm-hmm. they're going to hit this hands down. Yeah, no yeah. way they're not going to. I, it literally just went up as I'm looking at it. I know, it, so. I just saw that too. I was like, oh, I still <laughs> just bought it. <laughs> You see, now that's cool. Again, that sounds reasonable. That sounds interesting. And I think that people, there is a buzz there that other people could see that will also probably entice them to join up with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I'm wondering if when this game comes out, which it definitely will, um, and it's also being made by a bunch of college students, which is cool. Um, but I'm wondering if when this game comes out, it's going to do something similar to like how Risk of Rain 2, when you purchased a copy of the game, it would give you an additional copy to like give to somebody else, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Or yes. like, uh, what was it, A Way Out, who did the exact same thing, where when you purchased the game, you had absolutely no option, but it giving you another copy so that you could play with somebody else i think that would be like a perfect thing for this game to do when it finally gets a full release because this is yeah it's obviously meant to be a co-op game yes you can play it in local co-op like you said drunk with friends but it would also really behoove them to to sell it like for 20 bucks or sell it for like 30 bucks or whatever and give you two copies Mm -hmm. and then you could just play it with anybody yeah. I do also enjoy that when they break down the the ways that you can play, there's online, local split screen, local and online co-op. So it's similar to how like uh, in Call of Duty, like I think when they first started out with the, guest. yeah, in the Blackout series, uh, Black Ops series, yeah, you could bring the guest with you. I think that's super cool. I like that a lot. And then there's solo, which I feel like is a little weird, <laughs> but all right. I I don't really see the solo potential to this, but that is awesome that it also has solo player. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good I'm times. I'm excited about this. You can get glasses skins for all your people. <laughs> that is no pretty glasses. sweet. Alright. <laughs> Time to move in and just cool down this podcast in our last segment. This is where we just kind of talk about a topic. It's super fun. I'm um, in a 
in hopes to make an evergreen segment in our very much dated podcast. Um, I have chosen something that is just straight up. Anybody can listen to this specific section of the podcast, and it'll make sense no matter when they listen to it. Anything else on the podcast, sadly not. So feel free to just, you know, skip to this part if you want, or just listen to the whole thing. That'd be really nice. Our random question of today is, I want to know what your guys' first indie game was, and what game really made you enjoy indie games. So since JJ is the guest, I would like to start with him, unless he would like one of us to go first so he can think about it no uh, no sure I'll go, I'll go first and and it's crazy because i'm thinking back because again i played a lot of different indie games over the years i think the very first one that made me realize you know what the difference was between AAA and indie games was uh was dustin elysian tale I, that mm. is my favorite indie game hands down you know without question and the reason being is because i think it looks great it looks absolutely beautiful it reminds me a little bit of like some of those old uh, animations, you know, featuring animals and stuff, or a little bit kind of like Princess Mononoke. You know, I love mm-hmm. whimsical games. This is why I love games like that. I love Ori and the Blind Forest. Uh, I love games like Dragon's Crown. I love games like, uh, was it Odin's Sphere that have a whimsical and really heavy emphasis on its visuals, you know, that type of quality. Uh, and so just playing that game, I also love the story, and I think the gameplay was also a huge part of that. It just was something that just really resonated with me. There's a lot of other stories. I did a review of uh, Dustin Leeching Tale some time ago on my YouTube channel where I went into much more detail about it, why that game was so important to me. But that was really the one I, I guess I could point to that got me into playing other types of indie games that were out there, uh, at least, you know, being the very first one that I was really exposed to. Very Interesting cool. enough, you actually pretty much just swayed me to purchase this game. I've been on the fence for a really <laughs> oh, long time. You need time. to play it. You yeah. need to play it. It's, it's a must-play. It is a must-play for anybody that loves great-looking games, and especially ones that people love playing games with solid controls. I mean, it plays like a Metroidvania, you know, to some extent. You know, here there, it's primarily an action game, but, like, really, it's the visuals that make that game, like, so good. Yeah, it looks a lot like Neopets, which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> and Neopets, totally we went like, from Princess Mononoke to Neopets. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, it's totally like a 90s kid thing to say, but it looks a lot like Neopets. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so mine, I'll go next. Uh, the, the game that really got me into indie games that made me love them and really just want to focus on them was actually Bastion, of all things. And normally oh, I would I say Bastion. Hyperlight Drifter. Because I that was the first game I purchased as like an indie oh, game, knowing it that it was an indie game. Yeah, that was the first game I bought, but I played it for like a little bit, got my ass beat, and I was like, man, this game is hard. <laughs> I'm going to wait for a while to actually play this game. And then I was like, you know what? Bastion is always on sale. I'm going to see what this game's all about. So I pick up Bastion. It's phenomenal. That game is fantastic. I have a sticker on my laptop because of it. I bought like four copies of that game. Dude, I no love joke. Bastion. It's so good. The narration of that game is so damn good. Yeah, there's that deep, like really just kind it of just like makes manly that game. voice. It makes the tone of that game. It's so good. Yeah, it's so awesome. Let alone it having like multiple endings that you could play through. And all it's like really cute characters. It has all those sweet challenges. You can play with all sorts of different like uh, different weapons. You aren't locked into any certain like weapon type. I love it so much. Bastion is easily one of my favorite indie games that's ever come out. Um, I the studio also uh, developed Transistor, which I really enjoy, um, but less so than Bastion. And then they put out Pyre. I'm Dude, gonna Pyre be honest. Pyre is good too. 
Okay, so you may have swayed me on that one too. <laughs> I I have been on the fence about Pyre as well for a while. That one does not look like Neopets. I will Fun let you guys know. <laughs> Fun fact about Pyre: I wrote the guide on IGN, the, the wiki guide for Pyre. Wow. That's that, awesome. When it, first, when it first came out, yeah, I love I love Bastion. And the reason why I got into Pyre was because of Bastion. It's just again the visuals and stuff, and the narration, just the voice acting in their games is just it's just so on point. It just re- it really stands out amongst a lot of other games. That that is something you remember after playing it. Wow. Have you played Hades yet? Uh, no, not yet. I've been dying to. I've been hearing a lot of good things about Hades, and you mm-hmm. know, seeing it makes me really want to play that game. Yeah, the only thing that sucks about that one is, especially being a huge fan of Supergiant Game, is the fact that you have to play it on the Epic Games Store. There's oh. no other way to play that game right now. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe they'll put it on PSN or even on like the Nintendo Switch Online thing down the line. Because that's what happened with Bastion at one point. I think I played it first on Xbox or Xbox 360 or Xbox One, and then I played it on Vita and PlayStation 4 later on. Something I, like that. Yeah, I bought it on Vita and then ended up just playing it on PlayStation 4 because I was like, these controls are much easier on PlayStation. I just play it on there. Yeah. It's just easier. Yeah, yeah I'm. I one of my E3 predictions was that uh, Supergiant was going to announce an actual release date or an early access port of Hades onto a console. I would assume the Nintendo Switch first, um, but that's just because the Nintendo Switch sells indie games like hotcakes those nindies are good yeah i would totally take that yeah it's absolutely true um so josh what is your indie game that got you into indie games what put you on this path to become the illustrious big josh boy the illustrious uh so okay so i have two games in mind and the reason why i say two is because one based on how you want to describe indie games might disqualify it we had a talk about this before (laughs) um but it was published by Microsoft Studios. Oh, is it Ori? No, 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 no. This is way earlier, way earlier. (laughs) So my first one was Castle Crashers. Oh, that's what I thought you were going to say. Okay. So Castle Crashers was amazing back in the day. And that was back when I had first started to get into like the indie game kind of scene because that's when Xbox 360's Live Arcade popped up. And so this is from all these independent developers who wanted to create all these games and they're getting published through that Microsoft product. And it was just a weird time of, you know, being able to actually download games online, being able to find all these games from a service platform that aren't, you know, the main AAA titles of just going to a GameStop and seeing here's the big next game, the big, you know, Halo or whatever it is. And so it was a lot of fun just as a game in, in general And it was also such a good representation of a community building it. Because one of the things about uh, the Behemoth, which comes from uh, basically Newgrounds, which was a website that was very popular way back in the day. And so um, originally they had created Alien Hominid, uh, and I never really got into it. But with Castle Crashers, they created it. And it was a big community of, um, for people who watched Flash animations or played video games on Newgrounds, it would feel very much the same and had that same... uh, quirkiness kind of crudeness to it but a lot of love putting into it because there's so many different investors in a not a money perspective but in a content and community perspective like you would find all of these people who make music on new grounds were promoting it and putting their music into the game you would find all of the artists from new grounds helping and working on this and it was just an amazing uh, a culmination of all of these different experiences that weren't really mainstream so to speak but still created such a uh epic looking 
uh, piece of art or you know amazing game that came out of this and it, it's just an awesome awesome time that I've ever had playing it with friends um, and that kind of got me into indies in general just because of that and if you want to fight me because you say oh well Microsoft published it then I'll go to Binding of Isaac and Binding of Isaac is just amazing both solid games. <laughs> yeah. By the way, you guys have you guys ever seen the thing that the Behemoth does at PAX East where they have that big booth section of there? They have Castle Crashers on a big arcade machine with four-player co-op like that, and it's kind of like the old uh, TMNT games mm-hmm. a little bit. That is a fun way to play that game. That is, I've had, I tried that one time, and I had so much fun doing it. Oh, I would love to do that. That sounds like a lot of fun. It, it, it's really worth it. It's really dope. <laughs> Josh was upset several weeks ago when he found out I've never played Castle Crash. I mean, it's 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 a. You got to play with people though. You can't play it alone. You got to play. With yeah, people. that's true. It's so yeah, much more better experience. You can't do your solo bullshit. <laughs> you have, to, have to actually play with friends. friends. Shout out to the Binding of Isaac though. Binding of Isaac is a is a weird but interesting game. Oh, I love it. It's such a good game. That and like Spelunky are like what I deem as the the kings of indie. Like they're really what like set my mind in indie games and roguelikes in general. I love that both of Josh's choices heavily feature poop. Just heavily. <laughs> so much poop in both those games, it's kind of ridiculous. And they're weird. Yeah. And they're a little bit weird. I mean, I'm, a, I'm a poop kind of guy. What can I say? Yeah, like I'm a big fan of toilet humor. No big deal. I mean, yeah. Actually, it's kind of funny. My, uh, my best friend got me a little sticker, like a magnet sticker thing that goes on your car. And it's a, a picture of a poop and a toilet paper. And it says, best friends. And I can't is tell this you. Is your same friend that wants you to laugh so hard that you like poop your pants? Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and what's funny about it is multiple occasions people have talked to me about that, and they're like, "Oh, I love your your magnet. It's so cute." And I'm like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, a white mug and coffee." <laughs> and I'm always like, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> sure." You just go along with it. You're like, do I tell them it's poop? Would it be weird? No, I usually tell them it's poop and they get very grossed out. (laughs) So that actually brings up a question, not about poop, just to let you know that I want to ask JJ, what is your definition of an indie game? What do you classify as an indie game? Well, I take a little bit more of the traditional perspective on it. An indie game is really a game that's not funded by a big company, not like a big publisher, a big AAA, like studio, you know, any game that's put out on whatever platform that's, it doesn't necessarily have to be developed by a small team, but it's just not receiving big money to get made. That's my definition of an indie game. And again, that's like a loose interpretation from like much more better concrete definitions out there. Mm -hmm. Because again, I think it's a very gray area now these days, especially one of the things, the reason why I mentioned Ori, uh, Ori in the Blind Forest for for some people earlier, like when you were saying like it was possibly published by Microsoft is because that's how I felt about that game for a while until I found out that was actually published by Microsoft Studios. So to me, that doesn't fall into being an indie game, even though it's not, you know, kind of like their other triple a games that they put out so that that's really the best way to describe it, is that it's not receiving money to get made from a big company yeah, yeah odd enough a lot of like amazing indie games that most people like think of as indie if you actually look into them they're like wow this was actually funded by like a large publisher and it's kind of weird like or in the blind exactly. forest with microsoft cuphead with microsoft um there there's also they're just like kind of an excessive amount that are public like they're given money 
to just develop this game, but in no way does it have to be uh, like exclusive. Um, or at least there are like exclusivity deals, which some people think the reason that Cuphead came to Switch is because they finally have that exclusivity deal, or also people think that it's because Microsoft and Nintendo are really working together. It's kind of weird. I think that's that's really more part of it. I think another good example of that would be Minecraft or, or Fortnite or something like that, where it's more of a perception thing. Really, I think that a lot of people get a lot of these games confused thinking that they are indie when they're really kind of not is because of the way that they're presented, you know, when they're first brought out to the public like that, you know, especially when it's on like an E3 stage, you know, in the case of Ori and the Blind Forest or Ori and the Will of the Wisp, you know, now, now more than ever, you know, since people know people understand like that's not really an indie game. But the first time I saw that game, I didn't think of that as a Microsoft Studios game because to me, Microsoft Studios was like Gears, was Halo, was all these other things that wasn't that. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. The The definition of indie is, like, such an odd gray area that it seems like everybody kind of has a different idea of it. Because yeah. when you look up, like, what is the definition of an indie game, some people say it's, like, developed and published by the same people. But then you, like, look into it and you're like, okay, well, there's a bunch of games that are developed and published by the same, like, studio, but they aren't necessarily indie. Like, you could say Fortnite under that is technically an indie game because it's developed and published by Epic Studios, but it's different. It's it's kind of weird. It's a big like, company. Epic yeah, is a big company with a lot of money. That that at that point that becomes a third party studio like that. It doesn't become an indie studio again. The vernacular and just like the specifics of it, I think, are very very confusing for a lot of people, especially now these days because there's such a gray area for it. Yeah, which is especially weird when you get to games like Dauntless, which Dauntless is developed by an independent studio, but it was additionally funded by Epic Game Studio. So it's like, okay, like technically it's an independent studio and it's only like 100 people working on the game, but also like does that tra- like fit the definition of a traditional indie game? It's so weird. Indie games are probably the only genre that you couldn't necessarily like 100% every single person tell you what exactly it is. And it's yeah, also not self-explanatory for the most part. It's kind of weird. I guess roguelikes aren't exactly self-explanatory at all either. Uh, but <laughs> that's about the end of this podcast. Thank everyone so much for listening to this. Uh, you guys can follow the podcast channel at IndiePod on Twitter. You can actually reach out to us there just like JJ did to get on the podcast. Super easy, super fun. Uh, you can follow me at Hyde Legion. You can follow Josh at the underscore George 90. And where can people find you, JJ? I am in a ridiculous amount of places. You could easily find me on Twitter at Jake James Lugo. That's the best place to kind of reach out to me. I'm also on YouTube, youtube.com slash gamers with gains channel. And also, of course, I'm on the coalition, the coalition.com, the coalition with a K, not the guys who developed gears five, not those people. Let's get it straight. People. If I'm being honest, that totally threw me off. (laughs) Yeah. Like, well, that's the thing. Now that's a thing where people get confused because apparently they called themselves the coalition. We're going to have to sue for copyright infringement at some point. The point being though, is that the coalition, is the place where I write all my reviews, all my editorials. I do a lot of other video content, podcast content. Some of my E3 content is going to go up there besides my own YouTube channel. Again, since we're going on to E3 time, I'm kind of dating the podcast a little bit, but you can find me in all those different places. I do a lot of stuff for the gaming industry. I'm out here doing things. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much for being on this episode. It was really nice to have somebody reach out and want to be on. And You obviously are welcome to come back anytime. Uh, this is the end of episode 33 of the Indie Incursion Podcast and Indie Games Podcast. Super easy to find us almost anywhere. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. 
Laters. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.